Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? All that value you put on creating, let's spread some of that around and make it equal across all these other areas. Because taking that pause to percolate, that is as important as the actual work of creation. My guest today is the wonderfully insightful Michelle Falzon, who has more than two decades experience in marketing and communications. A lifelong creator, she has worked in most media from film, television and radio, through to print, online, book publishing and events. In addition to running her own ad agency and event promotion businesses, she's also created content marketing strategies for world-renowned speakers, authors, consultants and businesses in a huge range of sectors. Michelle is an in-demand content course and product creator, having developed and created books and courses, coaching programs and other online products for well-known thought leaders that have generated millions of dollars and attracted tens of thousands of participants. She is the founder of We Are Content, a strategic content marketing consultancy, the co-host of the Content Sales Podcast, which I highly recommend. I listen to it every fortnight when it comes out. And she's also the co-facilitator of her Business Marketing Success Mastermind. Michelle is a deep thinker. And when you sit in a conversation with her, it's always insightful and so incredibly interesting. I always come away from a conversation with her with my mind buzzing, so I'm sure today will be no different. Let's meet the wonderful Michelle Falzon. I've been super excited to get in a room with you, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I am so, so glad to be here. We've had such wonderful conversations over time, so I just can't wait to see where this goes. And I imagine you would have so many topics <laughs> that you would like people to think more about because you're such a big thinker. And that's what I love about always catching up with you. You challenge my thinking and notion on stuff. But if there is one thing today that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? The value of pausing, the power of just stopping. And there's a few different ways of stopping too that I wanted to talk about, but I think we feel allergic to pausing, allergic to saying, time out, I need a rest, I'm stepping back. And I want to redeem that in our thinking, in our culture, in our days, in our mindset, because we are all on the fast track to burnout. <laughs> you know, we're all wearing our busyness as a badge of honor, and that's not giving us the opportunity to do our best work, to live our best life, to make the deepest connections, to leave an impact and a legacy behind us as we go. You're spot on. Like that's such an important thing for us to learn and do. And recently I did just take some time out. I went to Thailand for a retreat overseas for the first time in three years and I'd planned to use the time to do creative stuff. And Funnily enough, my body said, no, like you just need to relax. And it was so good for me and so good for my mind and all the different amazing creative things that then happened from that. And I guess that's what you're getting at, right? 
Absolutely. I've done creative work and created a lot of stuff, helped people create books and films and worked in television and online courses and, you know, lots. My day is spent creating. And when I look back over my life, I really started to really consciously think about when are the times when I'm doing my best work, when I feel most connected to my purpose, when I feel most on track and happy and joyous. And I realize it's when I have a few things kind of working in concert. And when I'm burning out, there's a few vital things in that process missing. And so it kind of led me down this track of creating this process that I call Create Without Burnout. And there's really five parts to that. There's this idea of firstly saturating, just immersing yourself in whatever it is you're wanting to figure out or learn. If you're doing client work, that's when you take the client brief. If you're thinking about writing a book, it's when you might do the research. And then the very next step, though, is not to dive into getting it done. The very next step is to step into a really important pause, which I call percolate. So you saturate, you do the deep dive, you're the sponge, you absorb everything, and then you really purposefully pause. And I like to call this percolate step like conscious forgetting. Really deliberately rely on your subconscious, on all those abstract connections that your subconscious mind wants to make for you and drawing on all of your past experience and bringing it together, all those things you've just loaded into RAM virtually, giving them time to percolate, to mull, to brew. And that's when the brilliant ideas hit. That's when only the connections that only I can make, or for you, Michelle, only that you can make based on your life experience come together and you create the work or you have the conversation or whatever it is you're about to create in a way that is truly only the way you could do it. And this is, I think, one of the keys to doing our best work and having our deepest, most connected relationships and making our most purposeful contributions. So that's the first sort of pause. And then we move on to the next step, which is create. So that's actually getting the job done or painting the painting or having the conversation or launching the event or whatever it is. And then the next part of the process is celebrate, which I guess you could think of as a bit of a pause before you just race on to the next thing. And that's really acknowledging the work you've just done or the creation you've just made or the result you've just achieved, even if it wasn't what you set out to do, even if you didn't hit your goal every time you want to build this celebrate step in. And then there's one more important pause, one more really key piece, which is rejuvenate. And this is where we do what you just did. You went to a retreat, you rested, you renewed, and that can be a physical rest. It can be a mental rest. It can be even, you know, when you really look at the word rejuvenation, this idea of renewal, it's almost like in some cases it's a reinvention. There are some times when I've paused to completely reinvent myself and then you can do the loop again and then you're back to, you know, saturate, percolate, create, celebrate and then rejuvenate. But what happens in this world and what I know when I'm on the fast track to burnout is I'm just doing that saturate, create step. Saturate, create, saturate, create. And I call that the burnout loop because that's when, you know, when you meet a friend and you say, how are you? And they go, oh, I'm so busy. I can't keep my head above water. It's just like one thing after the next. It's saturate, create. Take the brief, do the work, you know, gather the information, have the conversation, you know, do the planning, implement. And so I really believe in my deepest part of my being that it's all of those parts of the process have equal responsibility, equal contribution to make 
to our ability to be in the world in our biggest self, in our most fullest expression of ourselves. So I'm, cha- I'm trying to champion because when I tell people about this process, it's often that percolate step and that rejuvenate step that people feel like they have the blind spot on. Sometimes it's celebrate. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just not pausing to celebrate. But it's very often that percolate step is like, oh my gosh, I'm completely skipping that and rushing straight to implementation, straight to action. Oh, it's so beautiful. What a beautiful process. And so how long have you been using this then, like in terms of your daily work? And I imagine knowing you, it's like you would use this in Sort of, uh, it'd be great to hear actually some examples that are sort of smaller kind of projects and things up to some major type stuff. Obviously, you've just been part of a, a workshop. I think it was like five days or something, wasn't it, in the US? So it'd be interesting to hear how you kind of apply this in you know everyday kind of examples because it's such a fabulous process. And I think you're spot on about the element about celebration because we don't tend to do enough of that and to kind of reflect you know, you said it before about even if it fails and it's not what you expected or you wanted, it's really important to have that time of reflection and go celebrate that I had a crack, you know, I had a go at it and it didn't work. And that's okay because I've learned X, Y, and Z from that. So I'd be curious to hear how you kind of apply these because it's such simplistic parts, as you said, like the five points, but they're so profound as well. Yeah, it is something that I do use all the time. And you can run this loop in a morning. You might be working on something, you do the saturate step, you step away from the desk or from the situation you're in to percolate, might go for a walk, have a shower. You know, who's had their best ideas in the shower, you know? That's percolate (laughs) in action. Just being mindful of where you are in the process, I think, is one of the most powerful things. So I will often saturate before I go to bed. You know, I'll like read the article that I need to work on in the morning or read the brief or do the research. And then I set myself this idea of conscious forgetting. I allow and invite this whole idea that while I'm asleep, all this fantastic percolation is going to happen. And in the morning, I'm going to be ready to create. It's going to be there for me. And it is my best creation. My best output happens after I've given myself space for percolating. So, you know, you can run it in a morning or in a few minutes, even you said a great word, reflect, you know, that for me is part of the celebrate step, just reflecting. I did that. Hey, that was a pretty good email I wrote. Or, you know, sometimes I'll just show somebody if my kids are walking past, I'll say, Hey, come have a look at this, you know, thing that I just did or whatever it is, just a moment. Or the other really important part of celebrate is to acknowledge. So I acknowledge myself. Hey, that was great. Or what I love doing even more is I acknowledge somebody else. So somebody who helped me with that, I'll just send them a quick note saying, Hey, thank you so much. That was brilliant when you gave me X, Y, Z. Or my husband who maybe, you know, picked the kids up from school so I could finish something, you know, so it's my moment to celebrate him. So you can do it in really small ways. Yeah. On small projects and then have a little rest, have a cup of tea, watch your favorite TV program, uh, have a sleep. I'm a big fan of the 15 minute sort of afternoon power nap. And then you're right to go again. And I think this awareness of the stage you're at, it helps you to feel in the flow. When we're staring out the window at that percolate stage, if we don't, if we, we can often feel guilty about that. Or you go for a walk and think, oh, I'm just procrastinating. I think as a workaholic and stuff and someone who was taught, you know, you need to work hard and that's the way to get ahead and that's the way you're going to do well. And like, I just never stopped. I mean, before COVID, I didn't even really watch TV. (laughs) Now I'm obsessed with Netflix, but I used to see that as laziness or a sign of weakness, or there's always stuff to do. And 
I think it's a really interesting point about the guilt element and that you're saying how important this is and that those five steps, they're all equal. There's not one that's, you know, more powerful or more important over the other. I think that's really interesting as well. Yeah, and I think you're putting your finger right on what I think is our issue and it's an issue for everybody in this modern culture and I think particularly for women who are taking on the lion's share of the at-home work, they're also doing the work work at, you know, out in the world, their mental load is massive and you can feel incredibly guilty to say I need some time for me or I need this space and we are in a culture that values output, that values production and I think on top of that we've also got that generational learning like you were saying that whether it's our parents or our teachers or our mentors or others around us, there's this sense of, yeah, you've got to always be doing something. Don't be lazy. You've got to always be on the go. You've got to, you know, and then there's all the friends and social media and the people we see doing things online. And suddenly it just feels like everybody's doing everything except me. I've got to keep going faster and faster, you know, and this create without burnout framework really is saying, hey, all that value you put on creating, let's spread some of that around and make it equal across all these other areas. Because taking that pause to percolate, that is as important as the actual work of creation because everything is invented twice, first in the mind. And so allowing yourself to wrap your head around, to rewire your thinking around this idea that this percolate step is just as valid and just as valuable and has just as much to contribute to my life and to the work that I want to do and to the things I want to share with the world as the actual act of creating does. You know, actually putting pen to paper or writing the speech or delivering the event or whatever that output is in your life, building the house, whatever it is. You were speaking before about the sort of the small ways and the big ways. I like to think of it like, you know, the workings of a clock, you know, in the back you see there's the little wheels and the big wheels. I feel like at any one time in my life, I've got several of these loops running and they're even at different stages. I feel like there's a big loop been running in my life over the last few years. And earlier this year, when we caught up, I was in a really deep rejuvenate step. I was, I took three months out to rejuvenate and reset and do a bit of reinvention before I went back into this bigger loop that I'm into now for this year. So these loops can take years to run or they can take minutes to run. And I feel that I've got a few of those going in my life. And a friend of mine, when he learned this process, used it to write a book. So his first book, he did very well. It was a bestseller. He did superbly well. He had a book tour, but he was so exhausted by the time he'd written the book that he was too tired to go to his launch party. You had to go to bed. And I'm like, dude, you got that all wrong. Like, you know, the, the part where you celebrate, the, the, bit, celebration, the crowning yeah. moment, that ritual of letting that book out into the world and receiving all of that joy and love, you were too tired. You sort of just fell over the finishing line. And I think we feel like that so much in our lives. We're just falling over the finishing line on projects. But when you can keep this creation loop happening, it's sort of this idea of optimal creation. You can keep going. It's sustainable because you're taking that time to pause. So he used it in a really creative way. I love the way people are using it in all different ways. But what he did was he decided he'd run the loop as the full project, like writing the book was one big version of the loop and there'd be a big celebration at the end and so on. 
But every time he wrote 5,000 words, I think it was, he considered that another loop. So he would do a deep dive saturation and really think deeply about the next part of the book. Then he'd really consciously percolate, consciously forget, give himself space to marinate those ideas, to let them become richer and more juicy and flavorful. And then he would go into writing. When he'd hit the 5,000 words, he would take his partner out for dinner and they would celebrate the 5,000 words. Now, he hasn't written a book yet. He doesn't have a finished book, but he's celebrating these 5,000 words. And when we celebrate, physiologically good things happen. We release all of these fabulous endorphins and serotonin and oxytocin from cuddling your partner and saying, yay, we did it. All of these fantastic chemicals that are in our being to help us keep going, get released when we celebrate. Even if he wasn't happy with the 5,000 words, he got there. I did it. I made 5,000 words. Now, of course, he was happy with the 5,000 words and the book went on to be great. But he felt sustained by the process. And he said to me, Michelle, something magical happened too, because my partner did not feel alienated from my book writing process. You know, so often when we have these big projects, we go into these dark caverns, these holes in the ground where we feel we've got to slog it out and we emerge at the end and try and repair our relationships or try and repair our health. Or get them interested in the project, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I'm not interested. (laughs) They have no clue what it was you did down that dark hole. Wasn't that the same thing you did when you were down the dark hole last time? It really enriched the whole experience for everybody and that's kind of the magic that happens And then, of course, he had some rest time built in as well every sort of time he ran that loop. So when he finished the book, he said, I felt fantastic. I mean, he didn't miss his launch party for the second book. And he had all this energy now because, you know, writing a book, as you know, is just the first part of the process. Getting that book out in the world takes so much more. And he was ready for it. And so it's how we can do our best work, how we can feel energized by that work rather than depleted by that work, and how we can stay connected to ourselves, to those around us, and not ruin our health in the process. It's such a great example and to hear how he's applied that. It's lovely. Two things I wanted to pick up on there. One of them, when you were talking about the ideas and creation sort of element and the percolating it reminded me as an athlete how when we had to do visualization exercises. So, you know, I played high level netball and we used to have to work on this sort of stuff at night. So you'd be laying in bed and you'd be playing through like you'd be at the, you know, world titles or something. And you had to, you know, imagine yourself on the court and you were intercepting a pass or you were doing some sort of move or whatever. Like it was really powerful. And now there's a lot of research that shows in terms of science and lots of different experiments where they've had people that have exercised and measured all their muscles and the different reactions to people that have just visualised and how the results are just phenomenal in that sort of space. So that kind of reminded me of you know, being able to use this format, not just in a work sense, in lots of other ways as well, which is really interesting, I think. And the second part I wondered about was you taking, as you say, the rejuvenation and the three-month break. Is that something you've done often or like would you do that regularly or was this pretty, you know, unusual this year to to do three months off like that? Such a great question. I realise when I reflect over my life, I can go hard with the rest of us, you know, like I've just finished, like you were referring to earlier last week, a giant project. It was you know, a lot of hours. Then I took the weekend off and we went away and stayed somewhere by the water. And so I like to build the rejuvenation step in where I can get it. (laughs) But over my life, there have been periods where I've taken massive rejuvenation steps and they've often coincided with periods of real renewal, periods of real reinvention. And 
you know, I'm in my 50s now and there have been at least four or five of those periods where you really do change, you know, you do think circumstances shift, we evolve and the life we're living is not the life that we feel fits us fully anymore and it's like, okay, I need to just pause I need to take some time and I want to renew, I want to rejuvenate, I want to allow myself and my life to shed its skin and to come out in a new space, in a new way, with even a new level of consciousness. Sometimes you've got to unplug, you know, a computer, you have to unplug it and kind of reset it before it can do what it needs to do. And so in my 20s, I actually took five years off. I traveled around Australia with my husband. We were out in the desert. We could have been the only two people on the planet. Five years. Yep. I was in my mid-20s and I'd already, for the first half of my 20s, worked really hard. We had an agency. We did, we made film projects all around the world. Like we we worked really hard. We were really into the massive create step. You talk about the, the running the loop in a big way. And then we took five years. We traveled. We hiked. We did incredible things together that were just so life affirming. They changed me forever. I, I I know I came back from some of those really out there trips that we did in the middle of the Australian desert or in the wilderness of Tasmania or up in Cape York. A different person, ready for the next phase. And yeah, I've done that a few times in my life. And so I know the power of it and I can feel when it's coming. And so last year, I took me a few months to be able to orchestrate three months off, but I was telling my clients, I was telling the people that I work with months and months in advance, hey, I'm just not going to be around from December to March next year. We have to make other plans. So that project either gets somebody else to do it or let's defer it or whatever it is. So coming back to what I was saying before about when you see the process and you kind of get a feel for it, it's like the seasons, you know, we can feel winter coming on and we know it's time to get out the jumpers and the Ugg boots and then we can feel spring coming on. And I, I just, having lived this process and kind of had it emerge intuitively, I guess I feel it more so than I even think it. I mean, everybody's different. I'm not saying you have to go and take five years off and travel, but it's these deep pauses. Yeah, such a fascinating concept. And I remember when my role at SDA was was made redundant and I was the MD and I really wanted a break. I'd never taken a break before and I'd been paid out quite a bit. So I'd been paid, I think, like, I don't know, a year, I don't know, it was a year salary, 10 months or something at an MD level. So it was quite substantial. And so financially that pressure was taken off because often that's the issue, right? You're like, well, I can't afford, you know, and some people listening will be like, well, that's great for you guys. I can't afford to take three months off or I've got a family or I've got a mortgage to pay. And I think that's the point that, you know, you and I both done this where you can actually live really simply. And, you know, there were things that I did where I've kind of rented my house out and I went and lived somewhere else. It was much cheaper. It's just a different experience. So there are ways to do it. And other mates that have taken their kids with them, you know, when they've had these kind of moments of pause and rejuvenation. But one of the key things that was the real kind of worry, I guess, was how long is too long to stay? You know, I was at the height of my career. I'd worked bloody hard to get there. And I was like, are people going to forget me? Am I going to be, you know, like out of the corporate world too long that then people are going to go, oh, no, she's a bit of a has-been. Now it's a bit of a laugh, like, because it was like (laughs) three months off. But at the time, it was a real issue for me. And I'm curious about your thoughts with that, because my experience now as I get older and having, you know, changed things up and completely gone in different directions is 
the more authentic you are to you and the way you need to live, as you and I live very differently to lots of our friends, I guess, the better you are at your job and the more interesting you are to your clients or prospective employers or whatever, like people that want to work with you, because you have a depth and breadth from life experience, I guess. And I don't know, there's an element of calmness that this kind of process brings and having that you know, getting off the treadmill and percolating and thinking deeply about things makes you a more interesting and better person to work with. I don't know what you think about that, but. Oh, I love what you're saying. I do. So many thoughts coming to my mind. The thing about getting off the treadmill, the saturate create loop that, you know, just take the brief, do the work, you know, gather the information, have, do output is very much that sort of it's a burnout loop. It is very much other people's agenda, I feel. It's mm, very much us trying to point. keep up with the changes, yeah. trying to get the promotion, trying to get the attention of our clients, whatever it is. And we're really living somebody else's agenda, expectation of us, or we're putting these expectations on ourselves to tick some kind of box, to, to be a particular way. And I think by embracing this more holistic view, it is more authentic, as you said, and it's coming back to our own agenda, the agenda that we know deep in our soul, in our spirit, in our being, that we know. We know this agenda. We know when it's out of whack. And so for me, yes, I get it. I get the whole mental struggle of, oh my gosh, if I unplug for three months, well, I'll lose my clients. I even had that thought at the start of the year, you know, will they, in that three month gap, when I say you have to find somebody else, will they go and find somebody else and they'll, then they won't want me anymore and all of that. But if my inner knowing is that I've got to have this renewal time, if I don't take it, my experience tells me that that ain't a good road either. Something's going to break. Either I'll break or I'll get so resentful of these clients or this situation that I'll lose that situation anyway. So why not take the road that's going to be the fulfilling road, the road that's going to be the generative road? And, you know, I mentioned that idea of flow before. This is a cycle. I see this kind of in a circular diagram, these five things. It's like a river. It needs to keep flowing because if you sort of think, oh, I'm just going to stay here and percolate, I'm just going to analyze this idea to death, you know, and you never move into create, that's stagnate. That's not flow. It's the opposite of flow. So you, you go from percolate to procrastinate, you know, and we want to keep the pipes flowing. We want to keep moving. And only you know when it's time to move on. And even at the create step, you know, being in the film industry, we used to say, you know, a film is never finished. It's just abandoned. At some point, you just have to go, we're going to stop editing this thing. Like, get it out there. I remember the first time you said that to me, I was like, oh, my God, that's like an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> it's even me with my pottery now. I'm like, let it go. Let it go. Like a pot, you know, I'll just keep doing stuff. Too. I'm like, oh, just got to step away. <laughs> yeah, keep the flow so going because we can just stay stuck in a project for years and years and years and titivate it and move it around. And that's not in our highest purpose either. That's not doing our best work either. And the same with celebrate. I love to celebrate. But, you know, if you just get stuck there, that is not a great place to be either eventually, believe it Come or not. On. I'd like to just that drink theory. champagne all day. <laughs> that's the best place to be. But, uh, so you've given so many points like for me even to think about. I hope that like our listeners, I think that you need to listen to this again because you're so wise and, you know, you say stuff so unassumedly and you're like, they're just absolute points of gold. So thank you so much for sharing this with us today. It's been a delight as I knew it would be to chat to you. Thank you, Michelle. It's been wonderful to be here. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? 
I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favor? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.